This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Well, how are you there? It is Saturday night, late night, instant analysis time for all things Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. A combined 105 years old. We did the celebrity pay-per-view thing. And you know what? (laughs) Pretty damn good in the end. Nobody got hurt. It was entertaining enough. Let's break that thing down. Of course, my name is the Big Beige One, BBC, the Brian Campbell, one half of your morning combat uh, tri-weekly duo, along with the great Luke Thomas. BC hitting you up right now, though, with the IA, the only way the MK knoweth how if you wheel MK all day, nearly every day. So please like the video right there. Subscribe to this because once, I mean, come on, the rocket ship is, it's almost, it's, it's deep in space, okay? It's almost there. So get on board now. We can get to 75K, 100K. You're not going to believe what will happen next. But enough of uh, selling you stuff like uh, MK merch on store.show.com. Uh, Cyber Monday deals still going to apply if you do that. Uh, let's talk Tyson Jones. Let's talk Turkey. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving weekend. There were so many ways straight up that this fight, this promotion, this pay-per-view, this everything could have been an absolute shit show. It could have been a waste of your time, a waste of your money, and even worse, and let's not overlook this because it was a giant narrative coming in thanks to the, uh, you know, the nervous handholding by the California State Athletic Commission. This could have ended horribly bad uh, health-wise for both fighters. In the end, we had a real fun night out of the office, okay? You know, and I want to hit up a couple categories here from the fight itself to the broadcast itself. Let's get a couple things out of the way up front. It's one of the worst promoted fights. Kevin Oioli put the tweet out there from Yahoo, and he was right. Uh, in the history of this sport, okay, uh, all these last-minute changes and add-ons, uh, poorly written press releases, uh, inconsistent attempts at getting interviews for big, uh, you know, uh, platforms like this to promote this fight and and, and report on it correctly. Um, it, it was just a a real crap show, and you mix that with the uncertainty from the California State Athletic Commission, the attempts at this being just a sparring match, just entertainment, and yet the fighters, the promoters being like, nah, there's going to be the real thing. We're going to bang. And uh, there was a lot, again, a lot of reasons why this could have gone wrong for as shitty as the promotion was. Uh, this broadcast was fun as heck. Shout out to Triller. Shout out to what they, the promoters locally did with the Staples Center in LA with no fans yet turned it into this fun soundstage entertainment backdrop thing. And they put together a fun broadcast with a 
random ass announcing crew that could have gone horribly. More Ronaldo filling in for Al Bernstein at the last second. You had Israel Adesanya, you had Sugar Ray Leonard, who can be hit or miss in this spot. And then you had the real MVP who was Snoop Dogg. And you had music performances. You had all these things, including an undercard filled with names that, of fighters that were not household names, even to boxing fans. Yet the action was great. The matchmaking delivered. Uh, the the pro- production was fantastic. And I'm not even a big, you know, I'm certainly not a big live performance guy when it comes to fight sports. Different promotions in MMA and boxing, Rock Nation and boxing has tried it. Uh, it's never worked. I didn't particularly love for my style of music, the artist choice for this one. Yet for how many times we've seen some crappy ass rapping performances of hip hop artists walking with fighters to the ring. This turned out to be the complete opposite of that. These were fun performances. Wiz Khalifa's firing up a fat joint. Snoop Dogg's got a blunt. I mean, it was just, it was like throwing all this shit against the wall. And look, the announce team wasn't perfect, but I, I really liked Adesanya in that role. I, I really enjoyed, you know, the good and the bad at the same time. They threw everything against the wall and it overachieved and it was kind of really fun to the point where I'm like, is, is Triller doing things that regular boxing promoters don't do anymore? I mean, look, I didn't know some of these guys in these undercard fights that they were well-matched and they went after it. Even in that Badu Jack one-sided fight, Blake McKernan was willing to go through hell uh to to be in that fight so let me give you that foundation this pay-per-view i don't know how it was that good but it was i hope it sold well well i hope everybody makes a lot of money it got a lot of crossover interest rightfully so because the main hook in this at the end of the day was 54 year old mike tyson 15 years removed from a pro fight was going to be back and in some ways in this weird 2020 it seemed like it was one of the more normal things that could happen in this wacky year Yet when they came out after a fun undercard with the entertainment that actually worked somehow and they touched gloves, it was like the first time this whole build since the fight was announced and all the ups and downs with the commission that I got oddly really nostalgic and exciting. Now, granted, I was excited for the potential of the war, a brawl. We didn't see that in the end. And I'm not going to act like the fight was perfect. More on the fight to come. But the surreal quality of seeing Mike Tyson at 54 in shape going in there and fight. Like it, it surprised me at how special that moment felt, how odd, how, how, you know, just weird in a good way. It was like a video game. It was like a, you know, the Rocky Balboa, the whole, the whole thing about him watching TV and seeing the simulated fight against, uh, you know, Antonio Tarver's character. And what would it look like? Well, what would it look like if Roy Jones and Tyson actually fought? We actually, to a degree, got to see that. And again, it could have been really bad. They somehow walked that tightrope, stayed in the strike zone, and it turned out to be a fun night from all. So the MVPs here, uh, somehow Triller. And, and again, as, shit, or as shitty as the PR and the marketing and the promotion was a uh, fun-ass show. Snoop Dogg is by far hilarious, your MVP. Not that we didn't already know this. UFC had, had uh you know, after round with him on commentary in the past for like an alternate commentary team with Faber. And, uh, but he was just off the charts hilarious, but the, the real MVP on this night in so many ways was, was Mike Tyson. And I am like the biggest, I wasn't the biggest Mike Tyson fan, like as like, he's my guy, you know, going back to the eighties, but like anybody else who lived the Tyson era, he was just like, you, 
you're protective of him because you lived it when he was bigger than Jordan, bigger than Bo Jackson, bigger than anybody in those, in that late eighties stretch of, of the most popular athletes. So then you live the crash and the comeback post jail and the crash again. So, you know, it's easy to become protective of Mike, but also at the same time, openly and very critical of the missteps he's had to see him have a cathartic sort of full circle moment with this performance and this whole thing. And, and it may like seem like whatever, but him wanting to donate the check to charity and him afterwards talking up humanitarian stuff, like you could see the humility and joy in his face. That felt good. Like consider this, even though Tyson's had many comebacks since retiring in his personal life, turning it around, becoming a, you know, a, a movie star to a degree, you know, with the, with the uh, hangovers and uh, the one man show and all that what he left behind boxing wise was, was disappointing. Yes. He's a hall of famer. Yes. That first third of his career, no one can ever take from him. Yes. The second third of his career when he was just a record breaking, massive post jail pay-per-view star, no one can take that side of it away from him. But as we know, the second half was a shit show from the bite fight to the many times he quit or fouled or didn't show up and all that to see him get out of this, what it was clear he was trying to get out of this, not the money, maybe not necessarily the thrill once again, which I'm sure that was part of it. There was a motivating factor to compete again, to have the thrill. I think he wanted to do something right publicly with associated with boxing. And, you know, you can show up and be an ambassador, which he's become a great ambassador for this sport, whether he shows up for MMA or boxing, whatever, like, you know, he's become that sort of like in Ali's death, the new sort of mascot for old boxing. But it's different when you can, entertain the fans again and actually get back in there and walk that ridiculously narrow tightrope to be able to pull off what he did on this night. This is a win for Mike Tyson, a huge win in that regard. But if that means nothing to you, if you're not a die, you know, diehard Mike, if you don't care about Mike, then I get that fight wise. Also a win for Mike. You didn't get your trademark Mike knockout or big moment there. The reason why you didn't though, is because Roy F 51 is a capable opponent. I picked Roy to win. I thought what was going to happen was Roy was going to survive the storm. He'd been a pro up to two years ago. We know this. He'd gone 12 and one in his last 13 fighting bums, but come on. Like he's capable. I thought for sure. Mike's going to come on, throw the big haymakers. The the fight will get crappier as the rounds go on. And then when we get to round six, seven and eight, Roy's going to be all over him and tattoo him. I did not expect exactly what happened, which is the reason why, Tyson was the betting favorite as the bigger puncher that his power specifically to the body in a very smart game plan for this weird fight with two minute rounds and larger gloves and all that, that Mike was going to, that this would work. I mean, he had Roy, no, look, Roy wasn't in a one shape, but he was, you could, you could tell he, he got there, right? He was ready. The power of Mike Tyson completely affected Roy. It was a competitive fight to a degree but Roy was in survival mode throughout and you have to give Mike credit for that, for slowing him down to the body, hurting him to the body. And then because of that mixing in when he was able to big power shots upstairs, Roy had a bite down and take some big shots. I thought it looked, he looked hurt three to four times, never where, you know, he was about to go down, but one big punch away from it for sure. But the most important part was Mike landed enough power to slip Roy into uh, defensive safety mode, constantly clinching him, constantly circling away, and never letting Roy go on the offensive. You, you could tell from Roy's posture early on, let me survive the storm, then the tide will turn in the second half, I'll be the fresher fighter, and I'll do Roy Jones things. 
There were no Roy Jones things. And that's the biggest shock of the fight, that Mike at 54, 15 years removed from a pro fight, 14 years removed from that ridiculous, stupid sparring pay-per-view with uh, Corey Sanders, Mike was in phenomenal shape. And as they said on the broadcast, it's true. There's different kinds of really good shape. There's the really good shape that looks good in front of a camera, but that's different from the, we're going to go eight rounds, even at two minute rounds. That's different from that. Mike Ward Roy down to where Mike was the fresher fighter and he finished strong. And maybe for people watching the post fight interview who bought this pay-per-view for the hopes of just a three minute shit show power punches, maybe that's not a consolation prize, but to see the joy in Mike's face to be like, People didn't think I can outbox him for eight rounds. He outboxed him for eight rounds. He had better stamina. He was landing the bigger shots to, to force Roy into a defensive posture. It, for as much as we can actually focus on the matchup, and it was hard to with everything else going on, both in the build to this and even during the show, it's pretty good performance from Mike, given the limitations from both and given the fact that we knew at the end of the day, despite what Andy Foster was saying, they were going to go in there and throw big punches and try it. Roy never got to throw big punches because he was constantly circling. You got to give Mike credit. He never, he never shot his load, so to speak. Okay. It's gross to say it. it's a boxing term at the end of the day. He never did. He was the fresher guy. That was shocking. Okay. Now the decision on the other end is it was brutal. Okay. WBC having three X fighters, Christy Martin, Chad Dawson, and Vinny Pazienza as ceremonial and official judges who were scoring from home 10, nine system. I know there's a lot of weirdness and, CSAC saying coming in, those scores aren't going to matter. Well, look, it's an exhibition, so the scores don't matter. But at the end of the day, like it's an exhibition in which they're still trying to win and knock each other out. So there is a competitive aspect. And again, I'll echo credit to this fight for staying competitive. It was competitive. Like, I mean, look, they were sloppy. They were getting old as the fight went on. There was a lot of clinching. I'm not going to sit here and say this was a classic, a masterpiece. I'm not even going to sit here and say we need a rematch. I don't need a rematch, okay? But Tyson won that fight so uh, by, his, by his, what his eyes tell you. And when guys are going to compete in, at this level, you, you got to have a winner. So I was upset that the scoring wasn't even announced you know, in a real way. It was announced by Jim Gray afterwards. It was kind of a shit show in the ring. It was clear the Com- California Commission didn't want it announced in the ring so it wouldn't look like it was official. But even in the grounds of unofficial, this draw was lame. And the reason why we had a split draw there's a couple culprits here. One of the two judges, I, I don't remember if it was uh, Christy Martin or Chad Dawson, scored it even, straight up. Okay. And then the problem was Vinny Paz. Now, Vinny Paz, he ends up, you know, the, the former champion. Uh, you, you, could, you probably have seen the movie about his career. Um, what was it? Live for this? Bleed for this? Fight for this? Miles Teller? I forgot. I haven't even seen it. But shout out to Peter Quillen for being in it. Uh, I believe he played Roger Mayweather. Uh, bleed for this. Was that what it was? You can look that up after or find me on Friday on dead wrong on morning combat. Um, the point is that Vinny Paz was overly scoring for Roy Jones. Maybe that's because he famously fought him and lost. And, and you often see that a guy wants a guy who beat him to be considered greater all time. So they look better for having fought and lost. So I, I get that, but he was doing 10, 10 rounds. I mean, it was a crap show, right? I mean, what, you know, it, for all the talk when we hate judges, and we should hate a lot of judges, by the way, but all the talk is we should have a fighter in there, an ex-fighter. Um, yeah, we should have a trained ex-fighter who's trained in judging to do it, not necessarily just an ex-fighter. I mean, have you seen Carl Frotch's scorecards on English boxing broadcasts? There's 10-10s up the wazoo when it doesn't make sense, okay? 
Tyson didn't lose this this scrimmage at the end of the day. He looked really good, and I'll give him a lot of credit. Again, not saying it was a great fight, but it exceeded expectations. Well, it depends on your expectations. Let me say that. If you bought this thinking you're going to get a Mike knockout in a round and a half, then no, it wasn't. But so many of us in the media who live the eight, nine months of this crappy promotion were forced to lower our expectations so deathly low that anything above an absolute shit show was going to be a success. This went pretty decently above that. It was a competitive fight. You didn't know if Roy was going to last. You didn't know if Mike was going to gas. I, I thought Roy could get finished at certain points. Like I said, he one big punch away maybe in those moments. I didn't expect Mike to look this good. They talked afterwards about maybe doing it again. I don't think they should. It didn't seem like Roy actually wanted to. He sort of saved face. Roy was hurt, rightfully so. He got banged to the body. Mike had a really smart game plan. So the whole kind of next question is like, is there a market for this? I don't think Tyson's legends only legal work. I chair for Tyson, of course, and any venture he's in. But it's that's very ambitious that we're just going to get a bunch of old athletes and have them compete in their sport i mean okay did a tiger phil mickelson one-off golf pay-per-view almost work maybe i know remember when dr j and kareem played one-on-one basketball when they were retired and it was awful it was a pay-per-view and it was garbage i mean is there a market for old tennis people to play against each other or, or something maybe but let's look at what bellator mma did back in five six years ago when this was their major calling card for ratings and they got great ratings they did hashtag old guy fights right Kimbo Shamrock, uh, Gracie Shamrock. You know, I mean, like Tito was fighting a lot. Bonner, they brought back. They, they, you know, the, the they did it, and it's it's a again, it's a small strike zone. You're going to hit and miss. You're going to probably get good ratings out of it, but you're going to have to be prepared that somebody could almost have a heart attack and die in the cage. Thank you that Dada five thousand, three thousand, Dada one fifty didn't. Um, but you got to take a chance. That remember when Bonner fought Tito in Bellator it was like the worst fight ever. You're going to get shitty fights. And you're going to take the chance that somebody can get hurt. But you also could have Kimbo Shamrock and have something fun. If Tyson wants to fight Holyfield a third time and do it under this umbrella, it could work. It might be a fun pay-per-view. It might be a fun, you know, like whatever. But I'm going to tell you here that it's not going to last long, the market for this. And eventually it's going to end badly. Okay? Like we're going to be bored of it. You're going to see a really shitty fight. The novelty will wear off or somebody will get hurt. And we won't do it anymore anyway. But did this fight perform well enough entertainment-wise to warrant at least trying it? Yes. And I've been saying a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but a little bit for real for years that I was going to start a hashtag old guy fights boxing promotion because there's still something in us that wants to see these our old heroes go back one more time and empty it. That's why Oscar De La Hoya at 47 talking about fighting again. Now he's misguided for saying I'm going to fight Triple G or fight whoever. But, you know, like I'm a Oscar diehard at the end of the day. Not Oscar the man, although I've, I've, I've raised the glass with him and had some laughs. But, you know, I mean, Oscar the man will let you down. But Oscar the fighter, I, I love that guy. If he wants to fight Corte in a rematch, of course I'm there for it. I'd pay my own money to see that. I think there's, there's a market there for a short season of it. So shout out to these guys for doing it. Thank you that nobody got hurt. I think the California commission was way too overboard and not realizing what this was at the end of the day. But I also think the fighters missed out when they complained about the two minute rounds. In the end, the two minute rounds were on the list. Who's the MVP on this night? Tyson, number one. 
Snoop Dogg number two. Triller, oddly enough, number three. Maybe the two-minute rounds were the four, you know, number four in the MVP voting on this night. Two-minute rounds is perfect for all guy fights. Larger gloves, maybe not 16-ounce balloon gloves, but you know, the larger gloves is a better idea. I think there's a middle ground between the California Commission going overboard and the whole raw, you know, cavalier nature of ex-fighters being like, I don't need any two-minute rounds for women. They should make me a sandwich. I need no, there should be a middle ground. California went too far. These fights should not be real fights and they should not be on the record, but we should have a winner and we should realize that if you're going to put guys out there with gloves and no headgear and just go for it, somebody might get knocked out and you got to go for the knockout because that's what this sport is, right? You're not going to say, let's do a, you know, you know, NBA's uh, not NBA, uh, the three ball thing, the three on three bat. It's like, it's like senior NBA, right? It's not like, you know, they don't go, well, we can't dunk because it's not fair to all the guys that can't. No, it's like basketball. There's no, like, you know, I know it's a modified rules. It's a half court thing. There's a four point shot, but it's still basketball. Let's not, let's, let's let this be fights at the end of the day. Okay. So California went overboard, but the middle ground is some of these rules. And I know Vitor Belfort's been trying to get a MMA legends league for years. And at the in is it smart? No, it's not smart to have old guys fight. But old guy, but fighters are risk takers. They'll always be. If there's a modified way you can do it, and if a lot of these fights are gonna, can somehow end up in the first time somebody's in trouble, you wave it off, you know, a cut or a knockdown. Like I don't think we're gonna be upset about that. If Tyson goes out there and him and Holyfield just let the hands go, and whoever goes down first, you know, you give them a, a short window to get up. But you know, if it looks like they're not there, end the fight. We're not gonna be pissed at that. We're gonna be like, oh man, that was fun. Is there anybody? Could Tyson fight Tua? I mean, look, it, there's a there's a Small strike zone, we can make this happen. I don't want people to get hurt. Let's find a middle ground on it if we are going to do it again. You need the right people, obviously, all that. But uh, fun night at the fights. Uh, violent ending for, the, uh, for Jake Paul against Nate Robbins. It felt bad for Nate. Uh, I didn't realize how little he had actually trained for it until I was debating Brent Brookhouse of CBS Sports on who might win. And he's like, dude, I got Paul the way he actually like boxes. Nate just put on the gloves for the first time. Nate's just throwing himself into oncoming traffic. He got sent to hell. Maybe it's payback because he didn't deserve at least two of those three slam dunk championships. I'm an old school slam dunk championship head. So I don't like how the manipulation of the rules over the year has over the years, including fan voting in the finals have uh, made some unpopular winners, but uh, Nate went out on his shield. He, he, he got, he got, he got hammered. That was violent. So my, here's my final take and it's on Jake Paul. I know he wants Connor and Dylan Dennis. There might be a market there. I know he weighs 190 though. Connor's like 155. So let's chill out on that. But there might be a middle ground there. Um, the Pauls make you want to watch them get their ass kicked. I'm not going to defend them. They're, they're, they're whatever, right? But they respect the game. People don't want to hear that. They do. They respect the game. Look, celebrity boxing is, is, is gross historically. The Paul brothers kind of respect the game, right? Like Screech versus Willis from different strokes. Like, you know, Manute Bowl against Refrigerator Perry. We've seen crappy celebrity boxing. The Paul brothers, whether whether they're fighting KSI or whatever, like they 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 take it seriously. This wasn't. I mean, there's a lot of clinching in Paul Nate Robinson, just like there was a lot of clinching in Tyson Jones. Because again, we're not talking about real in their prime professional guys. But um, I'm in on the Paul brothers fighting. I'm not in on necessarily on what DeZone was doing with like mixing it with real fights. I think it's a separate thing. That's what I would prefer that it be a separate thing that a whole card would include, you know, whether it's old guys or YouTube guys, but it, it's a separate thing that could work. And the Paul guys, 
uh, they take it serious. And, you know, Jake Paul looked kind of good if you're looking at that as a celebrity fight and not a real fight. He's not going to go contend for a cruiserweight or light heavyweight title, okay? But if he wants to fight other celebrities who are capable, of course we're here for it. Okay, that's my take at the end of the day. A lot more to come on Monday's Morning Combat when Luke Thomas and myself, Brian Campbell, uh, mix up all these takes, all right? We'll review Tyson Jones. We'll look back at UFC Fight Night. Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Joe Joyce, Daniel Dubois, a lot, a lot of good stuff to talk about. So um, all that and then some tall, pale, and handsome. It is your boy, BC. I hope you've checked out uh, our Morning Combat Donkeymentary, uh, the return to the studio. A, little, a lot of fun and games there. Our bonus Q&A episode from Black Friday. And uh, that's about it, you know? Yeah, that's just me. I'm just this like random guy in his basement, all right? I'm half Lithuanian, half French Canadian. What are you going to do about it, right? I'm BC, you know? <laughs> I mean, what do you, what do you want from me, okay? We got, a, we got this, uh, I got weird clothes, all right? Uh, so that's that's the night on this night. And um, for, uh, for Luke Thomas, he's not here, but I am Brian Campbell, and I am the sauce of Morning Combat, and I am signing off. Like, subscribe, spread the word, okay? Remember in college when you used to spread chlamydia uh, and lydia's phone number like it was going out of stuff spread mk the same way okay you're like close your legs so don't spread those um i got two words for you we out